My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Grace Christian Fellowship Valley. It's great to see you here, especially if uh, you are worshiping with us uh, maybe for the first time. Um, I think I've met some of you, so it's, it's great to have you here and trust that the Lord will continue to minister to you. It's great to see those of you uh, members and long-term attenders as well. Uh, I'm glad that you're here uh, as well. One of the, uh, I want to give just a, a highlight here of a ministry need, uh, and then uh, I'm going to pray I uh, just want to let our church body know we uh, partner here with Safe Families. It's an organization here in Spokane that is really on the front edge of providing a safe place for families, kids, children in, in crisis. And so it's uh, children, can, rather than just um, putting them sort of back into the system, uh, there are host families who provide a place for children to stay. Sometimes it's just a matter of a few hours. Sometimes it can go up to many, many months, six months. And so we have uh, one of our uh, members here, Trevor and Heather Osborne, our host family with Safe, with safe Families, and they have, uh, just as of this week, they have a little two-year-old, Callie, and she's going to be with them for probably six months. And so one, I want to let you folks know so that we can be praying for the Osbournes. And so there's a couple things here that, uh, to highlight uh, areas and, and where there are some needs that we'd love for you to think and pray about helping to meet that need. So number one, just be praying. Let's be praying for patience uh, for them, for endurance, that uh, God would, uh, in, their, in their weakness, uh, they've, they've got three, three kids of their own and busy, busy household, lots going on. Uh, so we want to pray for, for patience, for endurance, and that in their weakness that God would be strong. So let's be praying uh, for the Osbournes and for uh, little Callie as well. Uh, there's a, a specific e uh, need, practical need, and that is for clothing. And I think I got this right here. So, so Callie needs some summer clothes and a swimsuit. So swimsuit, uh, pajamas, and the size is 3T. And then some pull-ups, 2T to 3T, and some wipes. I think I got that. Yeah, good. I, I can listen and take notes at the same time. So... Uh, if you can help with any of those things, those are the immediate needs right now. Uh, certainly, you can, you can talk to my wife, Becky, and she'd be happy to coordinate that, make sure that the Osbournes get that. Um, there may be some other specific needs in the future, and so please read the email newsletter. That's going to be a primary way that we can just get this word out. Uh, but again, Cal's going to be with them for probably six months, so there will be some other things coming along the way. And again, pray uh, and, and then we have opportunities here to provide, I think down the road as well, just a break for the Osbournes and for their family. And so what that looks like, we'll give you more details on that uh, as it comes around. I, I, I do know that one practical way that they were ministered to was, was through a, a chocolate cake. Um, oh, there you are, Kara. Hi, hi. <laughs> there's there's a there's a rumor going around that there is some chocolate cake that is much to be desired. Um, and so, Kara, I'll just leave that to you, and you know, as you will, and what that looks like. But uh, I really like chocolate cake. Um, we all like chocolate cake, anyway. So there may be some practical things down the road too, uh, and we can certainly uh, we'll let you know on that. So uh, I'm going to pray in just a minute. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark as we continue here in our series in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter four. This morning we're going to be covering verses one through twenty. Words will be up on the screen. Uh, behind Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. If you're able to, please stand as I read God's word for us. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Join me as I pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that as you continue to work in our lives and change us, that our hearts grow for the needs around us, for other people to share the the hope that we have in Christ. And so I thank you for moving on behalf of the Osborne family, Lord, for giving them a desire to to want to be a host family, to want to serve in this very practical and necessary and important way. God, have mercy on them. I pray for little Callie. I pray for her mom. God, it's a hard, hard situation. So God, have mercy. Rescue her, rescue Callie, Lord. I pray that you'd be gracious. Give the Osbournes great hope and confidence in you. Help them to know, Lord, that They're not alone, that there are people who love them. We are praying for them. We want to know how to help. And Lord, as we're able to, help us to move out of our comfort zones and to do what we can uh, to provide and to meet some very practical needs. We know that you'd be honored by that. And Lord, we give you thanks this morning for your kindness to us, for your mercy. And Lord, I ask for more. We can never exhaust your mercy We're never going to be a situation where we never need more of your mercy. So I ask now, Lord, that you would help us. Speak to us. Use this frail, feeble human instrument to communicate your life-giving and life-changing word. Father, comfort and forgive. Speak and draw near to us. Give us ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear. Give us ears to hear only what you are communicating to us, I pray. And we'll trust you, Lord, for the good that you will do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Jolly Rancher is a brand of candy, hard candy. candy. They're known mostly for their huge assortment of flavors. I actually took a bit of a deep dive on the internet this week on Jolly Ranchers. Some of you probably, this might be your go-to candy. There's like 17 different kinds of Jolly Ranchers and all of them, I'm not even a candy guy, but all of them, I read that, I thought that sounds actually pretty good. Several years ago, in an effort to increase their sales, the marketing department at Jolly Ranchers came up with the following slogan. Whatever life throws at you, Keep on sucking. <laughs> Which, now I'm not going to exegete that. But it is, that's pretty funny. Whatever life throws at you, keep on sucking. Because you can take that in a number of different ways. You can take it in at least two different ways. It's creative. It's provocative. It kind of makes us think. I mean, some of you hear that and you think, oh, I, to- I totally get that. I know where they're going with that. And others of you are thinking, what? what? What What just happened? What makes a slogan like that stick, though, what makes it so popular is because of its double meaning. 
One person hears that and thinks, oh, I totally get it, I know. And another person hears that and they think actually something may be completely different or altogether different. In our text here in Mark chapter 4, there's a double meaning to the teaching here of Jesus. Because Mark chapter 4 gives us the first official parable from Jesus. Now, Jesus has used and he uses parables throughout his teaching ministry, and he uses them to, well, to get people to think. Some heard his parables and immediately said, I got it. I know where he's going with that. That that makes sense. Others heard the very same parable, and they, they said, what's he talking about? I don't, I don't really understand that at all. What? Parables have a double meaning. And so the parables of Jesus show us that you can hear the same teaching of Jesus and receive it in vastly different ways. Anyone can hear Jesus, but not everyone hears Jesus. Anyone can hear the teachings of Jesus, but not everyone hears the teachings of Jesus. So are you really hearing Jesus this morning? Because not everyone who hears him hears him. I know some of you are looking at me thinking, I don't hear anything of what you're saying now. That is completely confusing. And I'm not doing any like Jedi mind tricks here at all. And I'm I'm certainly not wanting to confuse us this morning. But here's the key to understanding this parable, and really the key to understanding all of the parables of Jesus, and yes, for practical purposes, the key to understanding what I think will be this sermon this morning is to listen closely to Jesus. It actually starts with listening. Don't take my word for it. That's, in fact, what Jesus says. You'll notice in the first couple verses here of chapter 4, Jesus has gathered a large crowd around him. There are many who are seeking to hear about him and to, to follow him. And the crowd is so large that Jesus actually gets in a boat. And so he preaches just from the shore there, and he's looking out. It'd be like if I'm in the boat here. I'm not Jesus, but I'm in the boat. You, I, I'm looking all at you here. And so Jesus begins to preach. And, and the very first thing that he says is what? Verse 3, listen. And that same word is repeated in verse 9. It's the same cognate, same Greek word. It's also repeated in verse 9. It's let him hear. It's right at the end of this parable as well. In verse 20, there are those who hear the word and accept it. So brothers and sisters, hearing Jesus, listening to Jesus, that is is the key to understand what he's saying and what he's teaching here in this parable. Now hearing and listening is... Let's just be honest, that's hard for people like us. And that's becoming increasingly more difficult in our very distracted age. I actually think one of Satan's best techniques and tactics is to bombard us with so much information that it just so fills our mental inbox every day that that we don't even have room enough to hear the Word of God. So we need to make some space. So that's what we're doing this morning. We need to clear the clutter, and we need to make some space to hear God's truth, to hear the truth of God's grace every single day. So Jesus says the key to understanding is to listen, listen to the parable. Now you might say, well, what's what's a parable? Parables are a consistent method of teaching from Jesus. We see this all throughout the Gospels. There are some 40 different parables that uh, Jesus uses, and Yet for many of us, we we don't quite know what to do with it. What is a parable? Some of you may have heard even sermons saying that, you know, a a parable is is like an earthly metaphor and it shares a a deep spiritual truth. Or perhaps you've heard that a parable is essentially like a story. It's kind of like a really cool fable, like Aesop's fables. It tells a story and then at the end of it, you can just determine the moral. We all get to decide, well, I think that's what he's saying. I think maybe that's and to each his own. Well, that's not what a parable is at all. Parables are a prophetic way of speaking. I mean, Jesus uses his parables 
to announce the arrival of the kingdom of God, to announce God's gracious rule and reign. So his parables invite us in. They, they actually, it's an invitation to, to come closer, to invite us into the grand story of God's great redemption, of his gracious rule and reign. Now what that means practically for us is that when you hear a parable or when you read a parable, you can't remain neutral. It, it's not, well, I think it means one thing for you. I mean, there, there's no position of neutrality here because parables are, are this dramatic confrontation. There's an either or to the teaching of Jesus. So we just can't, we can't say, I'm just going to sit this one out. No, we're meant to hear it, and then we're meant to respond. So we're meant to hear and to read these parables, and then we're meant to say, Where, where's my heart today? Where's my life today? Is what Jesus is saying could that be true of me? Is that true of me? Is my life aligned with his? Where do I stand in relation to the kingdom of God? And this parable in particular, this is the first one, so it's, it's like a prototype. Verse 13, this is the key, Jesus says, to actually understanding all of his other parables. So it's, it's crucial this morning that we understand this. It's crucial that we listen well because everyone can hear Jesus, but not everyone hears Jesus. The disciples, this was new for them, Jesus speaking in these parables. So I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus has a sidebar conversation with kind of that inner circle with his disciples and just a few others. We read that in verses 10 through 12. Look with me at that. Jesus has just given the parable He'll explain it in just a minute. We'll look at that as we move along. But here in verses 10 through 12, kind of brings everything in. And when he was alone, verse 10, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So Jesus speaks publicly here to the crowds, and, but when he's alone, he, he really invites his disciples to, to move in closer to him. And I actually think this is really helpful for us, and actually really instructive for us. If you really want to understand the teachings of Jesus, if you really want to hear his voice, you got to move in. You got to come closer to him you got to move to where he's at. You have to hear him speaking. In order to do that, most of us need to turn down the volume of all the other voices and noise in our lives. And that's essentially what the disciples do here. They, they've just heard Jesus speak in a parable, and they kind of all move in and say, wait a minute, we got to get this. we got to make sure that we're understanding that we're tracking with Jesus. So here we are, edge of our seat stuff. Over to you, Jesus. Well, and what does Jesus say? He says, the parable, guys, is about the kingdom of God, which we've noted. But then he says that for those who are on the inside, well, they're going to get it. They're going to hear this parable. You're going to understand. It's, it may be a little awkward, but, but it's going to make sense to you. But there are those, verse 12, on the outside, that when they hear the very same thing, when they hear the very same parable, they're going to scratch their head. They're going to think it's, is he even speaking our language? It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. It doesn't make any sense at all. What? Now that might seem like a harsh word from Jesus. He's actually quoting here from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a prophet that lived some 700 years before the time of Jesus. And Isaiah ministered in a time where people were, were, were seeing all the right things. They were seeing God move. They were seeing him do all kinds of things, but they weren't grasping any of it. They weren't understanding any of it. In Isaiah's time, everyone could hear God, but not everyone heard God. And so we read in Isaiah 6, verse 9, Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. 
make the heart of the people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So what's Jesus doing here when he's quoting Isaiah? Here's the point. Jesus is saying to his disciples there that the condition of your heart determines the receptivity to the truth. Let me say that again. The condition of your heart determines how receptive you are to hear the truth and to be able to respond to the truth. Because those who hear and respond and welcome it and love it and act on it, they get more. But those who reject the truth, here's the warning. Those who reject the truth will ultimately lose what little they had in the first place. And that's sobering, I think, for all of us. So you can come here week in and week out. You can come to a thousand Sunday morning services. You can repeatedly hear God's word time and time again. But if you refuse to respond time and time and time again, decade after decade, there will come a time when your heart will be so hardened that you will not be able to respond any longer. And so again, Jesus quotes from Isaiah here to show us how crucial it is today, today, to hear Jesus speaking and to respond to Jesus. You can be surrounded by the truth. You can hear it week in and week out. But still, it, it doesn't land on your heart. It doesn't pierce your heart. You can see Christ. You can see a lot of people who know Christ, and you can... Talk to a lot of people who, who know Christ, but it doesn't do anything to your understanding or to your life and to your heart. Brothers and sisters, our spiritual, our spiritual lives depend on hearing Jesus well, listening closely to him, and then responding to him. Let me say that again. Our spiritual lives depend on hearing Jesus well in his word, on listening closely with, not just with our physical ears, with, with our hearts, and then responding to him, to whatever it is he's calling us to do. Now, I say that because some of you here may, well, you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you to hear, to help you to listen. I mean, right here in this moment, I mean, let's just be honest here, there I mean, Satan hates that you're here. And Satan hates that you are here to worship God and that you're here to... Satan hates this sermon. He hates every sermon I preach, praise God. And there is warfare here. I feel it. And I'm sure you do as well. And, and, and the easiest thing it would be just to be totally distracted and we're off course and we just in and out and nothing ever really changes. And so I'm praying, Lord, I, I need to hear. I need to hear Jesus. I, I want a soft and sensitive heart, and I know you do as well. Let me just, let me just pray. Father, it is in, in this very time and place where there are so many things that buy for our attention. There are so many things, even right now, Lord, that are encroaching in upon us. God, I need to hear you. And my brothers and sisters do. Lord, I want that soft and sensitive heart. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters here as well. God, have mercy on us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. To, to the actual parable. Here's the really good news. Jesus speaks this parable, and then he gives us the answer key, which is so great. He interprets it for us. Wouldn't school be a lot easier if your teachers gave you the answers? Yes, it would be. But he doesn't always do this. But with this first parable, he does because, again, it's the first one. It's the, the prototype. Uh, so we can all be thankful for this. Now, as we work our way through this parable, you will face a temptation, maybe several, but at least one temptation, I think, common for all of us. We're going to, you're going to hear four different types of responses to the Word of God as the Word is sown. And it's particularly in those first three. And here's the temptation. You're going to read those first three and you're going to think, oh, I know somebody like that. He's talking about my son. He's talking about my neighbor. He's talking about 
my friend. He's talking about a guy that I did a Bible study with many years ago. He's talking about, I don't know, half the people in the church that I just recently left. It's always easier to hear the word of God for others than it is to hear it for yourself. It's always easier, frankly, it's a lot safer to hear the word of God preached and taught and think, oh, nudge, nudge, I hope you're paying attention. I hope you're listening because he's talking about you than it is to actually hear it for yourself. And the, and, and the, the, the challenge for us is, is to hear this word for yourself first. Now let that good impulse, your care for other people and your friends and your son and whoever that may be, let that lead you then this afternoon to say, you know what, I'm going to text. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to get together. I'm going to initiate a conversation with that person because they, they may be in some bit of spiritual trouble here. I want to let them know that I care about them. Amen and amen. But this morning, take heed to yourself. Consider your own heart this morning. I remember growing up in the church that we went to, we had the, those long wooden pews, super hard. You can all be thankful. We don't have long wooden pews. So we would file in there and, you know, dad, mom, and brother and sister, and we'd sit there, and obviously, especially when I was young, I'd, there'd be times where I'm, who knows what I was doing. Obviously, I wasn't paying attention. And so my mom would very subtly, but so very effectively, she'd reach over, and she would just like, mm. that's called a church pinch. Now, there's a church... There's, there's a whole bunch of things with that, but, but it was so very effective. It, like, it hurt, and it was so very subtle. She could do that for years, and nobody would know what she's doing. And some of you moms, maybe dads, you know what that's like. There's the church stare. There's the church pinch. There's the church punch. There's go where you need to go with that. But the point is, when I got the church pinch, I knew I was supposed to listen. I knew I needed to pay attention. I knew that... The pastor was actually talking about me. Like, I, he's, he's speaking to me. So because I love you all, this is your church pinch. Every one of you is getting a church pinch because you know what? I am talking to you. I actually am preaching to your soul, even as I preach to my own this morning. Verse 14. How do we make sense of this? What, what's Jesus talking about here? He says, the sower sows the word. Now, the sower in this story is Jesus but it's really anyone who shares or preaches or counsels or, uh, again, talks about the gospel with somebody else. The, the, the word goes out, and the seed is the word of God. So we've got sowers, we've got the seed, that is the word of God. It's actually the word about the kingdom of God, because that is the centerpiece of Mark's teaching here in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the kingdom of God has arrived, and so we must repent and believe the gospel. So the word goes out, the seed is spread, the, the seed is scattered, and where the seed lands describes the various responses of people to the word. So how we hear the word of God depends on the soil in our hearts. Those who hear God's word respond in four different ways. There are, if you will, four different soils, four different hearts. And you'll notice that some get it, but many don't. Most, in fact, don't. Here's the first heart. It's the indifferent heart. The indifferent heart. Some would say it's, it's the hard heart. I mean the same thing there. Verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan, immediately comes and takes away the word. That is sown in them. Now, in the ancient Near East, the farmer's field would typically be just a long, narrow path, but between rows, there'd be this well worn, packed down, beaten path. And it would get so worn uh, that, that it'd almost be like pavement, it'd be like concrete, it'd be that hard. And so the farmer would walk along the rows and he'd just cast out the seed, he'd throw the seed, but what happened to that seed? Well, it, it just landed and it just stayed there. It didn't produce any good fruit. Some of it was actually eaten by the birds. But again, the, the seed just landed there, and it just stayed there. And Jesus is saying, in fact, as, as the truth of the word, the, the word of the kingdom just bounces off the human heart, it's actually Satan that comes and steals it and takes it away. And that's why, brothers and sisters, for some, and it may be, you, you may be thinking of someone already this morning. 
For some, it doesn't seem to matter how many church services they attend, how many good Christian books they read, how many Bible studies they go to, how many people actually initiate conversations and talk to them about the good news of the gospel. All of that good seed just seems to land on the sidewalk. It just seems to land on on a very hard heart and indifferent heart. There there just seems to be a, a gospel deafness that just seems almost impenetrable. That's the kind of person described here who, who maybe thinks this. Maybe at some point they say this, but they say, you know, I'm just not interested in Christianity at all. I, I don't get Jesus. I don't really want to understand him. It's just, it just seems just boring, in fact. I, I just, want to, just want to live my life, just keep doing what I'm doing. And so you as a friend may seek to sow that seed. You want to Help them. So you, you, you get in a conversation with them or you initiate a gospel conversation and you ask great questions and you listen and you respond, and, but you can just tell. There, there's a hardness there. there. It's not happening. They may even get angry with you. They may get frustrated. And they're just waiting for you to stop talking about Jesus and move on to some other conversation. That's the indifferent heart. That's the hard heart. The indifferent heart hears, but doesn't really hear. And that may, describe, that may describe some of us this morning. You're here, you're nearby, the word is going out, but it just lies there. It doesn't really penetrate beneath the surface of your heart. And the real danger for you, friend, is is that you're not even aware of just how great a spiritual danger you're in. Because you can go through the motions, you can play the game, you can put in your spiritual time, but all the while, the life-giving word just lands there, it stays there, and you don't even notice then when it's taken away. That's, that's the hard heart. That's the indifferent heart. Here's the second heart. It's the superficial heart. The superficial heart. Some would say it's the, the shallow heart. Verses 16 and 17. They're the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now the good news here is that they receive the word with joy, with enthusiasm. With great excitement. The bad news is, it doesn't last. It's very temporary. Gone in 60 seconds. Their heart is shallow, superficial. There's no foundation. There's no rootedness to to their Christianity at all. It's, It's rocky soil. They are, as one theologian said, quickly green and quickly gone. So Jesus here is describing the heart of a person who would, who would turn to him, perhaps turn to him for meaning, turn to him for, for some bit of purpose, turn to him because, well, it's, he's a lot better than sort of the alternatives, but the kind of person who, who never really comes to grips with their sins, never really comes to grip with their need for ongoing repentance in life, never comes to grip with their need to continually be confessing their sins and, and, and applying the gospel to their lives. This is the person who never really counts the cost of following Jesus, particularly following Jesus and being his disciple in a sin-cursed world, in the world that we live in, where there are trials and there are hardships, and yes, those trials and hardships come, and what do they reveal? They reveal a shallowness, a superficiality in their commitment to Christ, a very superficial heart. Can think of, unfortunately, I can think of far too many of people for whom this this has been the case. I can think back to my youth group many, many years ago. Went on youth retreats. Nothing wrong with that. Kind of had that spiritual high. There were professions of faith made, and then what happened? A lot of snap, crackle, pop, and that's it. Gone. Never saw that person again. You can think of VBS, you can think of maybe mission trips. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. The Lord uses those things. 
but, but seeking sort of this emotional high or this spiritual high, it changes our life until it doesn't. And then what? There's no roots. There's, there's rocky soil. We don't want to produce firecracker Christians here. We don't want to produce, I don't want to, I don't want our church to be a place where, man, there's lots of enthusiasm and excitement getting going, but a year from now or five years from now or ten years from now, half of us aren't here. I pray that that would not be the case. God, have mercy on us. But left to ourselves, that's the danger that we all face, if we're really honest. Left to ourselves, we're kind of like those firecrackers, a lot of enthusiasm, but I hope we make it to the end. And so, brothers and sisters, do you know that one of God's great kindnesses, one of his graces for us to make sure that we don't start really excited and then fizzle out. One of God's wonderful acts of kindness to us to make sure that we actually establish some deep roots is to grow in our love for the local church. Now, I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to. I'm not saying this because we just had a new members meeting, which was wonderful. And I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor and that's what pastors are supposed to say. I'm saying this because my name is Jeff. And I'm a Christian. And I really need you people. I need you to speak truth to me. I need you to help me. I'm not going to flourish apart from you. And you're not going to flourish apart from the body. So I'm not going to paint a, a rosy or a superficial picture of life in a local church like ours. I said this to our the new members to class, they said, look, stick around GCF long enough, you will be disappointed. You're going to get frustrated. You're probably going to get angry. You're going to disappoint me. I'm going to disappoint you. You're not going to agree with certain decisions we make, et cetera, et cetera. None of that is breaking news. We all know that. We should actually expect that. And then there's, look, there's a biblical way to deal with all that stuff. And I know some of you are here and having come from really hard church situations where, where perhaps you have been hurt by leaders or by other people in the church. Jesus understands all that, simply saying that our Christian life, this life that we're called together, we covenant together, it's not just one mountaintop experience to the next and we just bounce our way from one mountaintop experience all the way to heaven. What's in between the mountains? There's valleys. And there are some pretty deep valleys. And I know some of you, you're walking in some. And what a great joy and privilege where we get, to, we get to walk with you. We descend with you into the valley, trusting Christ all the while as he brings us back up out of that. So if you're hearing Jesus' words this morning and perhaps you're recognizing, that's my heart, not a lot of depth, superficial, shallow. Would you humble yourself this morning? Humble yourself please, and allow the Lord to lift you up. That's the second heart. Here's the third heart. It's the distracted heart. Maybe the divided heart. The distracted heart, verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now you might notice the progression here. We started with that indifferent heart, that hard heart. We've kind of taken a slide step to that shallow or the superficial heart. And you might think, well, I think we're getting a little bit closer here to the good soil, aren't we? Like we're moving in a good direction, and indeed we are. This heart actually receives the word better than the first two. There's an initial commitment. There is what we would say, there's, there's a buy-in. There's a, they're all in with Jesus, but what happens? Well, there are thorns, and those thorns eventually choke out the good seed that was there. So the, the seed is scattered, and it's sown, but it's sown among the thorns and the thistles and the weeds. John Calvin said that our hearts are a thick forest of thorns, and he's right. And thorns are not fun. Thorns are prickly. Thorns grow up quickly. You don't have to do anything for there to be thorns and thistles and weeds. I just look at my backyard and I say, yep, I didn't do anything. And that's what happened. 
Lots of thorns and thistles and weeds and stuff that I don't like. All because I did nothing. Now, there are all kinds of spiritual thorns we deal with in our lives. Jesus here zeroes in on two. It's like Jesus actually knows what he's doing. He's the master teacher. He knows his people. He knows the struggles that we go through. And so here are, arguably, the top two spiritual thorns that we all deal with. Number one, the cares of this world. And number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Or how to shipwreck your life in two easy steps. I say easy because that's kind of what everybody else around us is doing. We're just going with the flow, right? But guess what? Brothers and sisters, the flow's not leading to Christ. The flow leads away from Christ. I was meeting with a group of guys this last week, and I shared with them, particularly in the last little while, I just felt incredibly burdened by the cares of this earth. I got a lot of them. I know you do as well. And, when, and uh, Jesus says the cares here, he's, literally, it's, it's the distractions of this age. I feel like the older I get, the more distractions there are. And I was getting this out to these guys, and of course they could relate. I know you can as well. The busyness, the distractions, the cares of this earthly life all pose a serious threat to our spiritual well-being, our spiritual health, and our spiritual vitality. Monday morning, guess what happens? The fridge stops working. The house needs cleaning. The faucet keeps leaking. The emails need sending. The kids need refereeing. The parents just need Jesus and a whole bunch of other things. And you haven't even left your home yet. And then when you get outside, then you, then you have a whole bunch of other cares and concerns and worries and distractions. And I think for many of us, we kind of live from one week to the next, trying to work hard, do what we're supposed to do, and not get sick. And that's, that's how we live. That's sometimes how I live. And those cares, those distractions, and there are many, they, they threaten to choke out the good seed. They, they wrap themselves around our hearts, almost make it impossible to have a vibrant spiritual life. Now, you know the things that you care about the most. Some of us care more about our career than we care about growing in grace, growing in faith. Some of us may care more about our grades than we care about growth in godliness and holiness. Some of us are more concerned about our reputation with others than actually what Jesus says about us and what Jesus actually thinks about us. I'm more and more convinced, brothers and sisters, if it isn't the greatest challenge, then one of the greatest challenges in our age is exactly this. This is, this is one of the greatest threats to our spiritual life and spiritual well-being. It is the distractions of this age and the cares of this world. It's not persecution. At least not yet. I'm not saying it doesn't happen or it won't. But nobody's throwing rocks at me because I'm a Christian. Nobody's breaking into my house because they know I'm a pastor. The biggest threat to my spiritual life is me. It's the cares of this world and the distractions that I allow to enter into my heart and eventually they just wrap themselves around without me doing anything very subtly and can choke out the good spiritual seed that is there. So what do we do? Well, this is one of the ways that we help each other here. And we need to help each other. We need to speak truth one to another. But very practically, if you don't slow down long enough to rest, to really listen to Jesus, to, to allow his word just to actually sink, not just to fall over you, but to get in you, and that takes time, then, then you're, you're in danger, as am I. We've got to slow down. We probably need to rethink some of the things that we are doing, some of the things we're caring about. We need to be quicker to give those things to Jesus, and we need help to do that. We need encouragement to do that because there are hard days. Without spiritual weed killer, those thorns will choke out the good seed. Here's the second thorn very quickly, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Wealth is so very attractive and so very deceiving. 
And I think we all think this is what we need in order to be truly happy. This is what I need in order to truly uh, thrive spiritually. If I could, then just fill in the blank. If I could just upgrade my car or get a car. If I could just move to a different neighborhood, maybe a different house. If I could just put my children in this school. If I just had a little bit more income, well, well, then it would be really helpful. I'd be very happy. My spiritual life would just take off like a rocket ship. Well, the clear message from Scripture, brothers and sisters, is that riches and wealth don't last. We are not to put security in that. And in fact, without noticing, riches can actually get in the way of our pursuing Christ. They can make us spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. Because building your own kingdom... And it's not just the building of the kingdom. You know what it really is, at least in my estimation? It's then the preoccupation that comes with keeping your kingdom moving and working. That preoccupation, well, that very well may choke out the good seed that was there. Anybody can hear Jesus, but not everybody hears Jesus. If you're really hearing and listening to Jesus this morning, then you just heard me describe three ways to die. Three ways to die. There's one way to live, but there's only one way to live. And that's the fourth heart. This is the receptive heart. This is the heart that is soft and sensitive before the Lord that hears the word of God, that receives it with joy, that is learning to love the word of God and then to respond to God appropriately. Verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and they bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Brothers and sisters, hear the word, the seed takes root. So the seed goes out, it's scattered on good soil and what does it produce? pleasing fruit. It's the person who hears the word of God and accepts it. And as a result, that person gets even more of the truth. And that, that word of God is pressed into, their, into the soil of their hearts. It's pressed. It makes an impression in their hearts. And so they become a person who bears much spiritual fruit. You know what's really cool about this is that the, the kingdom seed that Jesus talks about here that little seed is powerful. It's incredibly potent. One little seed can produce plants that flourish and grow 30, 60, or 100 times more. In other words, beyond what you think it will do, which is no wonder then that the enemy wants to make sure that he, he wants to devour every single seed because all you need is one in one family, in one generation, in one neighborhood, in one school, on one sports team. All you need is one to germinate. It produces new life. And it develops, by God's grace, pleasing fruit. God's seed, grown into good soil, will grow and mature and produce good, pleasing spiritual fruit. So what have we learned? Have we really been listening? You can die by indifference. Satan destroys the seed, hard heart. You can die because you're, you're not firmly rooted in the, in the gospel. There's a shallowness. There's a superficiality to your heart and to your life. You can also die by distractions, death by a thousand distractions, choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. There is only one way to truly live. And that is responding in faith to the arrival and the announcement of the kingdom of God. It's responding in faith to the coming king. The king that has arrived, the true king Jesus, to repent and believe in him, believe in the gospel. It's the only way to live is to receive Jesus' word of the kingdom. Church, Jesus came to give us life, new life in him. The truth is all of us will die apart from him. And the fact that some people actually reject God and reject the gospel, that's not a failure on God's part. And that's not a failure of the gospel. It's actually what 
we're reading here. It's what he said would happen. We ought not be surprised at that. Because the saving news of what God is doing in Jesus to restore the world, the the good news of the gospel of his life, death, and resurrection from the dead, when that word is scattered and sown, well, it lands and impacts human hearts in different ways. When the gospel goes out, what it actually does is reveal the condition of the heart of the person. Many reject it. Some, some accept it. So where are you at this morning? Where's your heart? Be honest before the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're not going to be honest with anybody sitting next to you, but would you at least consider being honest before the Lord? It's not going to do you any long-term health to, to walk out of here thinking, well, I'm, I think my heart's in a little better spot than it is. No, this is the time to be absolutely gut-level honest. Where am I at? Does my heart align with his? Am I really living in his kingdom? The beauty of the gospel, friends, is, is that we can come, we can approach God with whatever this, wherever our hearts are at this morning. There's still time. It's called today. Thorny, distracted, messy, bored, sinful, whatever it may be. So come to him. Cry out to him for help. Ask the Lord to change your heart. And he will, because he loves you. Some of you this morning will hear, but not everyone will hear. Others of you hear, and the word of God lands on good soil. Let me just encourage you. You get it. You're understanding. You're tracking with Jesus. You're, you want to bear pleasing fruit, and you are. As you think about just your normal day in, day out, yes, praise God. Be encouraged. Yes, there are thorns that you need to pay attention to. But more and more, by God's grace, you're learning to, to, to cultivate your heart, to, to weed out the thorns and the thistles so that they don't choke you out. And, and you're in committed, intentional relationships with others who are all, they're praying for you as well, and you're praying for them, and you're, you're, helping, each, you're helping each other out apply that spiritual weed killer which we need. Because guess what? The weeds will be there. You don't have to do anything. But by way of encouragement, keep sowing. Keep scattering the seed. Keep sowing the life-giving word of Jesus, the life-giving word of the gospel, because there are people around us, all around us, that need to hear that. Their hearts are not in a good spot. So what a great privilege we have to sow that word to the people that are around us, the people that we see, the people that we love. Church, whatever life throws at you, keep on sowing. Let's pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we need your help. Lord, you you know we can't hide from you, and we don't want to hide our hearts from you. So God, I, I simply pray that you would in your kindness and your grace, lead us to repentance. Lead us to the point, Lord, where well, we, need to, we really need to do business with you. We don't want to leave here unchanged, unmotivated. Father, you know where our hearts are at, and we, you know what we most desperately need. And so in your grace, would you be pleased to call us back to yourself? Lord, I thank you for Many, many here, like brothers and sisters, for whom the word lands on good soil and it is producing fruit, Lord, I pray that more and more that would be our testimony as a church, that we are people who love the word, who hear the word, who respond, and we sow. We scatter the life-giving word of God. Give us your grace to do that, I pray, to be faithful in that this day and this week. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.